we get some comments from time to time about, <laughs> we do. And, and I hope you're sitting down, about us being lousy podcast hosts. We and, are, well, I mean, I, I don't understand how anyone can criticize our intro music for starters. <laughs> That's right. There's very little to critique. I mean, it is, it is beyond reproach. Yes. It, it may be true that our intros are a little terse. Terse. Also non-existent. Well, there's that. Um, but today, I think particularly one of the one of the reasons we get dinged is by not introducing our guests. So uh, especially because we have two Steves as our guest, I thought we should introduce sure. our guests. Uh, so hey, Steve Klabnik is that. Steve Klabnik is here with us. Steve, welcome. Hello, hello. thanks. Uh, friend of the show, Oxide colleague, and I don't know, generally famous. Is that fair, Steve? Not just generally famous. Just did some, you just some dude? I, I add in the Discord though. That's a good. That's a good uh, credential. Oh, but number twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah. <laughs> Most karma. karma all time. All time on the planet. Yep. He is part of the. I dare say the the Hacker News aristocracy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a baron on that's Hacker right. News. How, how do you how do you spend all that karma? Yeah. How do you? Well, in, this, it's like, I am convinced that there is like a global services for hacker news that they can't. <laughs> I think that he hits like he hits like thirty thousand, and like something different happens, and he's just like we're never going to get it out of him. This would be like a little twinkle in the eye, being like, no, it's just like I don't know. Yeah. I so, I, I told know. myself I was quitting at a thousand points, and then I told myself I was quitting at ten thousand points, and then here I am forever later. But I, I feel like this is not in service of my cause. But I want to be like, actually, I'm number twenty four because Paul Graham is hidden off the leaderboards and he has the most. So it's just really <laughs> extra one on top. Uh, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I was defending myself very well. Right, but who's counting? Right. Yeah, exactly. No one's counting. And uh, other Steve, welcome, other Steve, Steve Tuck. Hello. <laughs> I, was this meant to address the criticism that our intros were bad? Is that? I mean, I'm just trying to yeah. understand. Are we trying to? Okay, okay. Uh, no, I'm saying, look, you thought that was bad? Could have been worse. <laughs> That's right. Like, okay, okay, we'll do it your way, pal. We will yeah. do intros. You keep begging us to never do another intro again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Thank you, Adam. That was very kind. Yeah, Other Steve. Other Steve, I guess. Uh, our, our CEO uh, and Oxide co-founder, of course. Bottom um, twenty-five karma on Hacker News. Yeah, zero, oh, no, my, yeah. My, my karma. My, my karma also was hidden. <laughs> That's right. Yet to earn karma on Hacker News, but any day now. Uh, so big week last week. Was it was it? big. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was, and a, a little bit surprising. Surprising, I guess. I mean, I know that's the wrong thing to say. It's, our, it's like our launch. We shouldn't be surprised, but um, I was a little surprised. I was surprised. I was just flat out surprised. I'm surprised by how surprised you are, just because huh. the the internet's love that us. Surprises me. Yeah, there surprised. you go. You're just easily surprised. Uh, the internet's love. So we 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 announced the the first shipment uh, or the shipment of the first cloud computer. We announced the raise, which is you know kind of a big deal because it pays all our salaries. Uh, and um and everyone loved it like the the internet's lit up and you know, people were very interested and i was unsurprised by their interest yeah it, it was great i mean it was it was honestly it was delightful honestly um and i guess it's also there's a little bit okay now this is like let me just get this get this out there let me just get this this odd off my chest there's a little bit like why is everyone so surprised that we shipped you know what i mean <laughs> 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 
You know, it's like, yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, it's like when I graduate from college or whatever, it's like people don't need to be that surprised. You know, you can actually like act like you knew this was going to it was going to happen this way. Um, but I think it is. I mean, it, but of course, truthfully, it is surprising. And they got every everyone's got every right to be surprised. I mean, we also talked about the entire journey. We did. The near misses, the difficult times. Well, which is the other thing that I did think that. So, okay, I'll, Adam, this is the other element of my surprise is that, and, and we did, there were some stories and journalists who were like, this company is coming out of deep stealth. It's like, we are, are we the ultimate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, uh, how much less like, stealth can you be? We get out here and proverbially, to be clear, open the kimono like every week. We're talking about some esoteric detail of the product. I mean, some problem that nobody's ever talked about, but everyone has had. I mean, I don't know what deep stealth is. I don't know how we could be more the antithesis of that. Yeah, if anything, we're like TMI. It's like, hey, like just, <laughs> enough already. Just, like have some problem that you just like keep to yourselves for once. Like experiment with that. Like I just don't need to know everything. It's like kind of gross, honestly. Go to therapy. Um, <laughs> It is, it is therapy. There's the truth of that. But, but the podcast know, is so, cheaper than therapy. The podcast is really cheaper than therapy. And the it, so it, that part was, I mean, it was, and obviously there were plenty of folks online who were like, eh, these it's kind of been talking about what they're doing for a while. Um, but I think it's also easy for us to kind of get in our bubble and realize that like not everyone listens to the podcast and not everyone is following what we're doing. So um, not everybody's on Hacker News. Not everyone's on Hacker News. I, uh, I it's, as I try to remind myself, um, or, or Yacker News, as my kids call it. I'm going Yacker News again. It's like, Burn. come to your room. Or lobsters, <laughs> as I came to find out. Or lobsters, What that we, when you say came to find out, what does that mean? I just wasn't aware of. Of lobsters? lobsters. I mean, aware of, but not, I mean, I had, think I had been pointed towards it once or twice before. Well, and were you, I mean, as long as we're talking about all places in which we were discussed, were you aware of Slashdot? I mean, yeah, that's. Oh, man. That was uh, that was definitely like one step further. Yeah, I, I would say never change slash dot, but they're one step ahead of us in that regard. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, Adam, I think it might be interesting to to uh, go a little bit kind of into the the mechanics of the launch. I don't know if people are, are interested in this, but just in yeah. terms of like what's actually involved in a you know what it means to actually engage journalists, for example, because there were a bunch of news stories that that uh, came out um, that we were all kind of coordinated, and it's like, how does that actually happen? Um, yeah. So, and, so how long ago did it start? Like, what, when did you start having conversations with PR and and journalists, and and how did it roll out? Yeah. So I mean, I think we so we started probably in earnest, maybe like two months PR? ago, probably like yeah, several weeks ago, and we uh, knew that um, we you know what one of the advantages I think we've said this. We certainly implied it over and over again, but just to say it explicitly, there are a lot of advantages to starting a company later in your career. And Steve, I think you and I have had, I've just really appreciated that. And then we've got, because we've got a team of veterans that are all, I mean, we're not, you know, we've been around the industry for a long time. And so everybody's got a really big Rolodex. So when it came to like a PR firm, well, we, we, we know like a, who's on that shortlist and um, you know, ran a process and, uh, which is something we emphatically believe in. It's like, we don't want to be, we always want to run a process for this kind of stuff. And you're kind of selecting a firm like that. Um, and, uh, it was, it, I feel like this has happened, uh, certainly more often than not, Steve, where we kind of come in with our, but we've worked really well with this firm. Let's run a process and, and see what happens. And then it's like, oh, you know what? The firm that we love is actually the best firm. So that was actually great. Um, because, I mean, it, it's pretty easy to fall, I think for a lot of companies, to fall into the playbook 
that is out there, be it a playbook that a set of investors will put in front of portfolio companies for sure other yeah. folks in the network. And once people have gone down a certain path, they're going to kind of recommend it in not necessarily if they've had a bad experience, but you will, you will see these kind of just add water playbooks where it's like, you know, insert mega PR firm over here or law firm, or, yes. I mean, it's like when you get these kind of, because you, you need these professionals. Well, payroll platform here right. is your, and, and PR is just another one. And I think there are a lot of companies that, aren't sure if they need it or not. And they're told like, no, 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 you definitely need this. And it can be in cases where they haven't even shipped a product. They haven't right. started on the product. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of ways to spend money poorly. Yeah, and I think that, you know, PR, actually, Steve, you and I have talked about this, it'd be interesting to get your take on it. I think PR is one of those things like sales that's often misunderstood by technologists. They think like, oh, the way I get people to care about my thing is PR. And the way I, I get my thing sold is sales. And it's like, well, that's, that's, that's part of it. But it's like PR can't make people, a, a, a PR engagement or engaging with a journalist can't make people care about something that people don't care about. And oh, worse than that, I mean, you now are like two bridges away from the actual message. Right. So if you don't have the right, <laughs> right. firm that's <laughs> talking to a reporter, oh who, like, you oh know, there God. are reporters more diligence than others. And uh, and so you're already going to get a version of the story, right? Not your version of the story. And then, you know, if you have the wrong folks in the middle, it can go really. <laughs> well, and in particular, you can have like a bad PR firm. can be like, you know, what? actually like your story is actually pretty uninteresting. So I told a different story to this reporter. And they, love they love it. They are super interested. Like, okay, well, that's also interesting. But that's <laughs> pick them. Yep. Yeah, that's not what we do. So um, you really need a firm that kind of understands who you are as a company, kind of the soul of the company. And uh, we were really lucky with the Alarm Squad folks, definitely. have worked with them in previous lives, and, and they've been really terrific. And in particular, when, one of the things that I'm part of this, I, I want to call them out in particular, because as they were kind of, uh, they under, absolutely understood Oxide. I love the fact that they'd come in, listening, having listened to the podcasts. And they, you know that's always an, a metric for us. is like, have you done your homework on us? Do you understand us? And of course they had. But in particular, they're like, you know, we really see the transformative power of this. And we think strongly that it needs a name that we need to like, not a product name. It needs a category name. And we agree. You know, I think it's and the, um, you know, it, and I think it was it was, you know, their suggestion that, um, you know, we think you should call this the cloud computer. And does that make sense? And, you know, that. And we were kind of trying it on. Um, I, you know, one of the things I, whenever you get something like this, you wanna, you wanna test it out a little bit. And Steve, I remember like the, the kind of they had suggested it in the morning, and I think we had you know two different customer meetings over the course, potential customer meetings over the course of the day, and we were both kind of trying it on and you know watching the reaction to it, and it was helping to catalyze it. It was really helping people understand because there's a, kind of an interesting built-in juxtaposition with cloud computer because we. That we kind of think of the cloud as being something that we don't see that 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 we are uh, that is often the public cloud, and to have this kind of juxtaposition of like, no, this is this physical thing that runs elastic infrastructure. Yeah, cloud, cloud computing is running in someone else's data centers. Cloud computing is something you rent. Cloud computing is this kind of ethereal service layer that you can't see, can't touch, and in fact. Go into the data centers of where where these yes. services are running, and there's uh, very quickly understand that there's a very the big difference in what's been built to support that. Totally, and so we kind of view this as like just like you've got a microcomputer and a mini computer and a personal computer and a, and a mainframe computer. With this is the cloud computer. So 
Um, that was something that was, um, I thought that was a, a great suggestion on their part. And as you know, the more we were test driving it, the more it made sense to us. So um, as we were, um, you know, kind of the way these things work is that you, uh, and this is, you kind of go pitch uh, reporters on a story. And the thing you have to understand, and I, I, I think I'm going to speak up on behalf of the fourth estate here, because I really think that we have culturally really maligned journalism, and especially in Silicon Valley. There's this idea that journalists are the enemy. Um, and, you know, uh, my wife's a journalist, and I, I know a lot of journalists, um, and I, I really uh, take issue with that kind of perception. Of course, there's bad journalism, just like there's bad everything. I mean, there's there are, in any profession, you can find the worst of the profession and the best of the profession. But the best of journalism is important and terrific and has broken huge stories um so we th that's all the the things in the positive category of journalism one of the challenges with journalism is they are telling a story and you know when you are uh, i mean we think that there's a big story here in the in the abstract but it's a big story it's not one that's it, it, it's not something that is it doesn't a, fit in 500 words on it and it's not like, what's the news? You know, the, there's a difference between us having a story and having something that's like newsworthy. And so you've got to, you know, couple um, the the larger story um, with something that is newsworthy. Um, for us, I mean, there are kind of two newsworthy elements. Obviously, there's th that we are um, that we are in customer data centers right now, and we are announcing our general availability. And then we're also announcing our fundraising, which um, was actually wrapped up a while ago, but it's just not something we've talked about. Um, so this was going to be our opportunity to talk about that. And we were, were, we wanted to be very circumspect about the way we talked about fundraising. I mean, Steve, you and I have both seen, and Adam, you too have seen, uh, we've seen plenty of companies that treat fundraising as if it's the objective. And it's like, fundraising is not the objective. Fundraising is something that is necessary on the way to the objective. So we want to, you always want to be careful about kind of how you do that. Um, but we did want to, we also need to announce it because we had, I mean, we hadn't really said anything. Um, and, uh, you know, on the one hand, our investors like to keep a low profile. On the other hand, like, okay, like not that low profile. Like, can, you, can we start talking about this? So and, we, and they go hand in glove yeah. too, to, to say that we've got this product in market, it's available now, and we're not some underfunded startup. We've got this war chest. So don't worry, we, we're going to be able to support this thing and actually bring it to market in the way that your businesses need. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think we need to know kind of how important. I mean, that should be important to, um, and I hopefully that is important. But yeah, Adam, that's a very good point. And that that war chest really is, um, it is essential to know that, like, okay, I'm I I'm, I am going to be, you know, this thing is early, but there's going to be longevity here, and there are a bunch of investors who really believe in this thing, and they include the very best of institutional capital, institutional venture capital, and some of the very best of corporate venture capital. And there's some just really big backers here, um, which is terrific. And, and we obviously really appreciate all those folks. So yeah, they, Adam, you're right. I mean, it's a, it is a really, it's an, it is an important hook. But so as we were kind of thinking about like, all right, so we need to go uh, structure this. Um, launch, then you get to the kind of like outreach to journalists and you're trying to tell them what the story is. And of course, like, and Adam, I can't remember if we, you and I talked about this, but it just sounds a lot like talking to venture capitalists in terms of like, oh, like we're too early for them or we don't do hardware. I'm like, this sounds like you're talking to VC guys <laughs> where the raise is not above a certain level. So, right, exactly. You're like, uh, okay, all right. So I'll be, I'll be writing from the sidelines. <laughs> 
there was some of that actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you and actually to their credit, I mean, we've known a lot of journalists over the years. I mean, Adam, I do think it's kind of funny that we knew Ashley Vance like oh yeah when he was a little sprout, and we I mean we were sprouts. We were all That's sprouts right. together. I think was that article from like 2004, 2005, something like that. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. And that is the so the, the, for the, the so the very first article ever written by any technology that I'd had any part in was the article that the Register wrote on Dtrace and featured a profile of the three of us, of Mike, Adam, and me, and Adam, uh, the three of us sitting in my apartment because we didn't have a. I uh, didn't have a better photo of us holding a uh, Scrabble rack, as I recall. Right. <laughs> I know. When you uh, say it out loud, it sounds weird. Was Ashley, did Ashley physically take that photo? In no, 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 no. Remember, you and I went out drinking with Ashley. Okay. And uh, in, I think it was like Sun Network in China. It, I know I'm saying this and it sounds like a dream. It, yes, go on. And then what happened in this? <laughs> and, and then. Was Steve there? Or was it you were, or was I there? You were there. There were no Steves there. Uh, and then uh, the headline was something like some engineers drunk on something or other. And, <laughs> and we looked at it and said, uh oh, what is gonna, this going to be? But it turned out to be pretty good. So, I, it, so in my dream, Ashley took that photo himself. Or maybe, huh. so you think Bridget took that photo? You think my wife? I think so. Photo? I think that's right. Yeah. I think uh, that, I mean, I, I have it in my, in my photo my album. So I think that's domestically generated. Right. So, anyway, the, uh, it, and but Ashley went on to so left the register uh, and went to I think at the Bloomberg, the New York Times, one of those stops. Um, and he was, at the, he was uh, at the New York wrote, Times, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was at the New York Times, and then wrote um, what is one of the the, the kind of the, the important books about Elon Musk, and is now like a traveling like telev- He's a television host now of a television show, which is great. So Ashley has become, and I mean, on it, it, it I mean, the piece he wrote was really good, actually. Uh, he. Um, went deep on it, and he um, really he talked to our users, which was great. So, um, but so on the one hand, we've cultivated. That's, that's what good looks like. That is what good looks like. Is like it, a, that is what good looks like. Yeah, reporter that actually wants yeah. to dig deep, understand the people behind it, understand the people behind like it. Like yeah, the first couple people, but like the team, and and where things have been in the industry for a per- period of time, why this is new, different, etc. That's what you're after. Yeah, and and I, you know. The, the fact that he likened me to Ron Papile, um, I, I think I, this is, have you ever seen, like, <laughs> oh, you yeah. I, I remember you saying that your mom and sister, like, dined out on that for, like, months. Yeah, dined out on my carcass. <laughs> they dined <laughs> out right. on me. They, because, and is this in the story or not? I, okay, so I, Ron Papile was an infomercial. Yes. Salesman. Yes. I, I just had to see his picture. I, I and I know I'm. You know, I'd like to say I, I would like to hope I'm in a safe space. Yeah, thank you. Someone has dropped the picture into the chat, just in case. There's like, how can this be so bad? Oh goodness gracious. Okay, so he was a a famous pitch man, and in particular, um, I I had purchased a food dehydrator. I know this is not a safe space. Did you did not know this, Steve? No. Yeah. And Adam, you may have forgotten this. Like, why am no, I? No, I'm 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 here for this. <laughs> I, I, I know this one. This, one, this is the one that you've left to your heirs to be opened upon. <laughs> That's right. What? My untimely demise. Yes. Uh, untimely demise, uh, especially if, if Brian does not have an airtight alibi. The, uh, so I had bought a food dehydrator. Uh, you'd be very surprised to learn that they're basically garbage. So this is when, mm. because, so you watch this infomercial, and you're like, God, this seems great. 
and problem number one. Uh, okay, and so it's basically just like a a cheap piece of plastic that that heats that, that at extremely low temperature dehydrates food. And so I'm like, I'm gonna make raisins. So I go to the grocery store, and this is just embarrassing. Like how this is the part that they don't feature on the infomercial that you go to weigh the raisins. And I'm like, wow, that's $12 worth of raisins. And of course, I'm like, I have just paid for the water in the grapes. I bought the grapes, and it is the water that I have paid for. And I'm now going to go dehydrate these grapes and turn them into raisins. Um, the, I would like to say that I made the world's most expensive best raisins. And yes, if you're wondering, am I in the right spot? We just got the oxide launch. Should we talk about raisins? We're talking about both. They're related. Just wait for it. Startup number 6042 is uh, finally an integrated, well-designed, top-to-bottom dehydrator. Food dehydrator. Truthfully, the bigger problem with the dehydrator is that that ultimately you're paying for the water. When you go Only they were max scale, everything would be better, but they're just not. (laughs) That's right. Um, So anyway, so so when you deploy a traditional rack, what is the net you're left with at the end? No, too abrupt of a transition. Too abrupt. So, so the um, but so Ashley had written this great story about us, and this is like on the one hand we we've like got this great Rolodex over the years, but if you on, on the other hand like Ashley is now world famous, and a bunch of the other journalists we've worked with are just like too either too prestigious or retired or both. So it's like, well, all right, that's not that's not very helpful. Um, so we sorry, all your friends um, are too good, Brian. It's very, it, it's very it, rough. It's, it is. It's very rough. I'm glad that you understand my my dilemma, Steve, about how difficult it is to be. Um, so it, it, but it is. It was tough. I mean, honestly. And so we, um, as we were, you know, trying to find folks and um, the and launch squad did a terrific job reaching out to a bunch of folks. But anyway, you get to the point where, like, all right, so we've got a. Uh, you, you kind of try to sell an exclusive, but that's that, that can be a hard sell when, um, the, even though we would love someone to really dig deep. Um, but so then you do what's called an embargo. So you say, like, all right, so we've got this news, and the news is under embargo. Um, and you got a press release that you write, um, and the press release is going to go out on the wire. Um, and there's a, a couple of different wire services, PR, that there's PR news wires, there are a bunch of them, where you're basically pushing your press release onto a press release news wire. And now that is available for anyone to write a story on. And it is a press release is like for the press. It's and so it, it, embargo is, is pretty well recognized. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they don't have to live by it, but most journalists will adhere to it. And it is a, a, effectively just so someone is not preempting the news. Th- th- that's right. And so when you have someone under embargo, yeah, they're always going to honor it. I mean, that's just like, they, I mean, yeah, I guess they don't legally have to, but it's, but um, a reporter is basically going to honor an embargo. Um, and the, um, so we, we kind of knew that was happening. And then once you kind of commit to that date, it's like, all right, you're basically locked in for the date. And that's going to be, and we knew we were going to write a blog entry that kind of accompanied the, the press release. And setting that was about two weeks before, yep. like starting to give reporters the opportunity to write under embargo. And then reporters will then reach out and want to do interviews. One interviews, right. Yeah. Have a bunch of Q&A back and forth. But once we had set that, the timing of that was a bit early. Yeah. So why is it at 3 a.m.? Why? Where, where? Where's that number come from? That 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 is 6 a.m. Eastern. So and that is just why 6 a.m. Eastern. Well, that's yeah, just so they can even that, that seems early. Well, so the the particular reason for that, Launch Squad explained, was that a bunch of financial service newsletters go out at 6 a.m. Eastern. So if you want to be included with these yeah. like financial trade 
rags that go out, you want to be launching it at 6 a.m. Eastern, right. which I did not know. Well, it, just in general, if you want a reporter to have a story that's going to publish on that morning, you want to give them, you don't want to have like a 9 a.m. embargo where they have to be like, well, shit, this, like the story's going to go live at 8.30 and that would be jumping the embargo by half an hour. Like you just want to give them like, all right, so it's going to be, so 6 a.m., 3 a.m. on uh, here on, on the West Coast, but we don't necessarily need to be up for it. So um, we kind of have that locked and loaded. Um, and then we, uh, we know we need to write a blog entry for it. Um, and so we, we're kind of noodling that. Uh, it was very catalytic to how we were at a, an event that actually uh, one of our investors was hosting. Um, and they, in particular, a counterpart, they were having this conference. And they said, you know what would be great is if you had the oxide rack at this conference. Where was it being held? In San Francisco. No, but like what kind of a building was it? Just was it just an office building or what kind of, was it a stadium? I mean, it, it was a five a over one. Like what was the zoning yeah. of the, <laughs> it, 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 it was on? Yeah. Are you trying to knock me out here? I mean, it's like, it was an illegal establishment. It was, it was a church and it was a pretty tricky, pretty tricky logistics endeavor to get the thing in there. And we, and to be clear, we, we did not plug the rack in. Um, and yeah. it did, we took what we called the showcase rack, which got mechanical blanks and is a little bit like less weight. Um, but um, it turned out well. It was great. I was, I mean, I think we were all like a little bit skeptical. It's like, why do you really want to have a whole rack there? It's not small, it's big, and it's going to go to a church. And it's like the, the, well, and in particular, so this, this particular investor, they work very closely with CBC's corporate venture capital teams. And so the folks that attend their annual investor conference are almost all Fortune 500 companies, which is definitely a demographic that is good to have exposure to product that we're building yeah. and so they they, they made the, the the case very very easily and getting it in and out was a little tricky but uh and i don't think we will find the rack in as luxurious a location ever again yeah. <laughs> no it was it was it was impressive it was impressive kind of uh it was uh, like surrounded by like tapestries or you know it was very uh velvet and it you had that like that afternoon like on it it was definitely there was a there was a little bit of a, a bit of holiness around it i gotta say a little bit of holy rack um but so, at, and the, kind of the reason I bring all this up is because at the event, um, there was, you know, at these events, you get a lot of like very buttoned down kind of corporate venture capitalists. And then there was always a couple, uh, couple of wild cards in the deck. And one of the, the, the wild cards was someone who's run a, a consumer brand that you've heard of. Um, and, um, but was, uh, was uh, a bit flamboyant, the right word. So it, it, if, if there were one person at this conference dressed to go to a club, it was this guy. In, in every way imaginable. In every way imaginable. Like if you put that in your head, you basically have the right visual. And so like a little bit of a extraordinarily caffeinated, extraordinarily caffeinated, maybe generous, like not, I mean, at least caffeinated, yes. caffeinated <laughs> yeah. plus plus. That's right. Um, and so I was like kind of waiting to, for food or whatever. And, uh, and I ended up basically talking to this guy and I'm thinking like, man, this guy is not, there's just no, this guy's, he's a good, he's a direct to consumer person who looks like he just got kicked out of the club. I mean, it's like, this is not going to be, and, uh, it turns out like, do not judge a book by its cover because I kind of got half a sentence into what oxide's doing. And he's like, God, like, oh man, I got so many memories dealing with, Nicks and dealing with this and the other. And you, you order a cable, you get the wrong cable, you get a different wrong crossover, and everyone, every vendor's pointing fingers at one another, and you're just trying to get the software up. And I'm like, where am I right now? And like, by the way, you, by the way, the, just to set that, I mean, the, the audience generally at this event 
if you pulled 10 of them and asked them just what like AWS is or what cloud computing is, would blank stare you. I, they, totally. Yeah. So the, the fact that this guy was like, I, had had pain with Nick's in a data center, in a data center was definitely, uh, let alone capable. So it's definitely surprising. I'm like, well, I, um, so I start explaining Oxide, obviously. And he's like, terrible name. You have to change the name. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Um, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that, that. That one's off the table. Like, let's, uh, and I'm like, actually, let's go, let me go show you the rack. And so I took him kind of back into the church and showed him the rack. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he, it was really interesting because this guy was uh, caffeinated plus plus, um, was uh, very, um, had, had technical experience doing this, but also really understood kind of like, you know, what the differentiators would be. And kind of he, he really felt like I had, I had undersold it apparently uh, to him. He was uh, and and readily acknowledged that the branding was like that was it's like yeah this looks sick this is good, um, but he in particular he got to the back of the rack and he's looking at the the cabled backplane, and he's just like are you kidding me look at this thing like this is this is you know and so he's really kind of uh, very exuberant, um, which is great um, and it, so I as he's kind of going through the things that were just mind bending to him. And so like in particular, he's talking about the cabling and the boxes, like how many boxes is this thing shipping? I'm like, oh, it ships in one large crate. It's like, you got to say that on your website. That's got to be the top thing. You're trying to um, so then uh, the, the, the blog entry was in no small part uh, inspired by kind of uh, caffeinated plus plus. This is actually uh, later in the conversation. He would later, uh, uh, reveal that he he may have been on things additional to caffeine um, and uh, may have offered us to indulge Steve and I both to be hurt. Like, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, thank you on that one. But the um, but thank you very much for. I just dropped a picture of it into the. Oh, did you? Oh, nice, you did. Yeah, lo- the long shot. The long shot that is. I know. It's just like, and it does look photoshopped. It, it does. That is not photoshopped. That, yeah, I mean, it looks extraordinarily photoshopped. That is an actual picture taken. Uh, and then, yeah, there, there were some other, some other photos that came across in that setting that were, you know, like prom worthy because of the back background. And now Adam's thinking like, oh, great. Now I have to like make this the image of the podcast or you got to make me go in and do video editing. Again. That's right. Adam, it's the image. Sorry. I got it already. I'm also trimming this out. So we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. They, there you go. We're going to trim out this whole discussion. Never happened. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the motivator for getting into, um, you know, as we're because I, I think that realizing that we needed to speak about this really from that perspective of, and by the way, we sh- it should be stated this was a this person is a pretty good marketer. No, for sure, absolutely. So they, they have people spending hundreds of millions of dollars on canned water, <laughs> right? Of which we may be drinking right now, <laughs> right? It's good. Tasty. It's good canned water. Good canned water. But uh, he had some good suggestions. He had some really good suggestions, and I think that w- and just in general, I think the, the just. Uh, capturing and what we tried to capture in the blog entry was the the what we have heard over and over again from folks um, who, when you see this, this is not what you are accustomed to. This does not look like a a, a stack of commodity gear. Um, this looks very different, and it looks very different in a bunch of different ways. And so we kind of tried to capture um, a bunch of that um, and talked about things like the the the, the cabling and the and the fact that it is not something that you're, you're cobbling together in the software. But it's like, I also feel that, 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 you know, try as we might, we can't capture the whole thing. So we're trying to capture some of those, those first impressions. I think they told me to keep it to a thousand words. I, I think I definitely did not do that. But 
it wasn't, you know, it's only over by a couple inches. Exactly close. Um, but so that was the the kind of the genesis of the um, of the blog entry. Um, and the uh, yeah, I, I actually think so. There are people in the chat being like, "Hold on, the you." Let me just get this straight. You, Brian Cantrell, are complaining about someone being excitable and seemingly, and it's like, yes, that is exact. Yes, you're just going to have to like take me at my word here that this is. I think, and Steve, you were talking to both of us at the same time. I think you can confirm that he was a faster talker. Yes, it was more amped. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And, and wow. just absolutely zero off switch. So there's huh. a. Oh, well, are we talking about me or him right now? <laughs> <laughs> No, he, I mean, he did not get, there was not a room to get a word in edgewise. And there were folks there that definitely were, you know, kind of trying to break in and. No, you're just not, we, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, maybe this is what it's like talking to me, but it, it's like, Hey, look, it's exhausting. Okay. I've got, I, I you all have my, my sympathy. It's, it is, uh, it, it, it was a lot, but he was also right about a lot of things. So. Um, anyway, so it's fun to get it out there. So we had the blog entry written, and uh, so that's gonna we're gonna turn the key on that one at three a.m. Pacific. Um, I like, we we have folks in the UK that easily could turn said key. Yeah, 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 yeah. would be later in the day. Yes. In, instead, I think you were up at <laughs> I was three a.m. That sounds like a criticism. No, uh, no just I, I an mean, observation. Yeah. <laughs> right. I. I was like, look, if I wake up naturally, I wake up. And I just happened to wake up at 2.55. I don't know. My, you know, my body knew. <laughs> my body knew it was time. I was, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I got some, like, yeah, some hacker news. Like, I don't know, some hormones or something. Um, the, uh, so got that thing kicked at, um, at 3. Got the blog entry up. And I, I mean, so Steve, so Clark, do, do you, because I do not submit any of our stories to hackers. I, I always want that to happen kind of organically. Is that your, I mean, no. as, as someone who's a top 25. In I absolutely post everything that I believe should be posted as soon as oh, do you really? oh, I see shit. it. Yeah. Well, that's not, not as soon as you see it. I think that the correct time to post in general is at uh, 9 a.m. PST. And that is because you get the people who are just showing up to the office who don't want to start doing any work and they're drinking coffee and they're reading Hacker News. And you get the people on the East Coast who are at lunch who do not want to do any work and are looking at Hacker News. And I think that's okay, so generally, you get the most chance of being upvoted to the front page. Of being upvoted to the front. And and so just for those of you who do not spend as much time your lives online, you're living much better lives than, than Steve and I are. Um, so with, I mean, with Hacker News, it's like you don't really control it, right? I mean, if people, are, it's going to get upvoted whether if it's kind of compelling. Um, if it is, um, I, and I have had this happen where I submit things that I think are super interesting that get zero attention and then they if they kind of don't survive in that kind of that new bin um they uh they will just never see any more close to the front page and on some of those they will actually um the, the folks at hacker news will say okay this is really technically interesting this is important to the audience so we will later give this an artificial boost which is great so that's always an option on stuff, on, on stuff like this but yeah steve generally i'm with you like 9 a.m pacific is a good time to do things i would say 3 a.m pacific is not the time i would pick so, yeah, I actually, like, so I had asked on our pull request on the draft of the blog post, I was like, oh, by the way, when is this going out? And Ben said, oh, 3 a.m. Pacific time on the 26th. And I was like, oh, cool. Because like Ben's a funny guy and uh, he makes jokes <laughs> sometimes. And I thought that he was like 
joking about it going out at 3 a.m. It was like, oh, that's really yeah. funny. And I just didn't actually follow up. And then like I wake up and I was like, oh man, I'm still pretty sleepy. And then I'm like, uh, let me check the computer. And I was like, wait, holy crap, it's already there. There's a bunch of and then I was like, oh, Ben wasn't joking, actually. It's been up for three hours. Ah, and like immediately got involved. But yes, that I, it was not sarcasm. Yeah. It was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. So the so um again, I didn't submit it. Um and uh, but uh, you know, as we're kind of getting everything else out there, because like, you got to get like all the social posts out there. So I'm posting to Twitter, and I'm realizing that like, you know what? I don't have the Blue Sky creds for the Oxide account. Ask, yeah, and I kind of don't care. I think this is like, oh, Blue Sky. This is like, you, you. You know, you know, like your true social network is the one you check after an earthquake. And the fact that like I couldn't even be bothered to, I'm like, sorry, Blue Sky. I don't know. I, I'll I'll deal with you later. Blue Sky's got to open up completely to the public. Is the problem with Blue Sky? It's still, uh, anyway, I, I'm, um, I'm still optimistic about Blue Sky. Um, but I did get the the post up certainly on on Twitter uh, and on Mastodon. I mean, I think I think it's super interesting. And Steve, I don't know if you found this for your stuff as well. Uh, for tech audiences broadly, have moved to Mastodon, and the engagement on Mastodon is better. It's like you almost want. I mean, we um, so really important to get up on Mastodon. And then it is really important to get it up on what is rapidly becoming the third most important social network. I cannot believe I'm going to say this. LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like, yeah. I feel like the big story about the, the, the fact that Musk has flown Twitter into the side of the mountain is that LinkedIn has become actually way more relevant. The content is better. The engagement is good. They don't have like, I mean, and now that said, like LinkedIn has got all the same problems that LinkedIn has always had. Yeah, and I'm like, LinkedIn so has, old. What is it? LinkedIn's all things LinkedIn. Everybody that came up to our booth was like, "Hey, can I connect with you on LinkedIn?" And like the first time it happened, I like laughed and I was like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I don't like have that." And the second time it happened, I was like, "What the fuck is up with LinkedIn?" And then the third time, oh. I was like, "Am I going to have to re-sign up for LinkedIn? Like, why <laughs> is everybody so interested in LinkedIn now?" Um, but yeah, maybe and I'm very I, old. Uh, well, and I think it is because it is beginning to serve, you know, Twitter was serving this kind of professional capacity for a lot of folks. And I think it is uh, LinkedIn is and Mastodon kind of between the two of them. Anyway, so I, I like, I'm in, can I get this LinkedIn post up there for, can I get it? Make sure to post there. And we actually actually a lot of great engagement on, yeah, on LinkedIn. Facebook for professionals. That is a good, it's a good descriptor. It, oh, it, it, it for sure is. And it's, it, I, with all the trash, all the trash, stomach benefit. Right, that's I right. Heard it's like, no, like Facebook. Oh, good. No, just that it like it. It sadly is still an easy way for your extended friends and family to keep up with things that are happening. And when you've got kids, like it's easy to have a vector where it doesn't all have to be telephone calls and texts. And Facebook's terrible, but it serves that purpose. It, it and does. LinkedIn similarly is this place where you've got you know your your connections from your professional career and it is a place where you can update people. And I think, and, and then the quality of engagement has gone up as Twitter as, because you have, uh, and I know Steve right now, you can't see his eyes, but he's just like, I, I hear your words, but I can't actually process that. It actually is the, the engagement is, is, is better because I think it, um, anyway, it's replaced Twitter. So we get it up on LinkedIn, bunch of good engagement. And by the time I get all those up there and I like spend, I don't know, 10 seconds trying to find the blue sky credentials and I'm unable to do it. Um, I was like, Oh my God, this is already on hacker news and it's the number two story. And I'm like, wow, okay, I guess we're coming in hot there. And then I like click reload and it's the number one story. I'm like, all right, well, here it is. It's like at this point, you know, three 30 in the morning Pacific. 
And I want to go back to bed. I do not want to sit here. And uh, But for those of you, I'm sure you know, anytime you've got you know, the internet talking about something you've been a part of, it is hard to not you know, click reload on it. It's hard not to stare at it. Um, it's, and it's also a bit uh, of hacker news, like for people who don't spend their lives posting on hacker news, first of all, congratulations. And second of all, like the initial comments can really set the tone for like yes. everything else. And so it's like semi critical to like shape the conversation and the way that you want it to go early on in the threads history. Cause like, otherwise it could go to like literally anything. Like, yeah, I think you're totally right, Steve. And I think that you and I have both seen this where if somebody sets the tone poorly, then it's going to attract a lot of negativity and people just aren't going to engage with it because it's going to be, I mean, because often if, if there is, if people actually want to engage with something positive, uh, positive about it, or they've got questions or they want to get kind of technical answers um, and they can just see that it's like, all right, this is just a mess in the comments. They'll just walk away from it. So it's really important to get kind of an initial comment out there that people can kind of latch onto and if um, and upvote if if they so if they so feel it. Um, so you really want to, as as Janet is saying in the chat, you kind of kind of set those thread vibes early. Um, but look at the th thread vibes are good. I thought the thread. I'm like, all right, this is all good. This is all basically tacky. This is not nothing is too far off the rails here. And um, you know, whenever you got someone saying kind of something nutty you've got someone else coming in and answering them so it's like all right this is good um and i'm like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go to back to bed actually i'm gonna I, which is not something i would have thought that i was biologically capable of doing it's like yeah it's like I, I am actually going to sleep with us as the number one story in hacker news being up at 3 a.m yeah i wildly surprising going back to bed i know surprising. i'm gonna and, yeah. and so surprising like, that i don't know like did it really happen that way maybe Right, exactly. Maybe not. Yeah, as far as you know. Um, That's right. Yes. Look, I may have just been clicking reload and keeping a low profile, <laughs> telling everyone that I went to sleep. Just to, uh, but it was good. So the, the comments were good, and so I think we want to like get in um, to um, the. I uh, get yeah, that's right. Someone's saying in the chat, like, okay, he actually is aging. I assure you, I am aging. And if you would like, I can do a. My, my children would be happy to to point out all the elements in which I'm aging. Um, my 19 year old can outrun me, which is very, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that. that's tough. No, better not be it is really with him in a bear anytime soon or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I know I, I need to make sure that I, I, I take my younger children with me who I can still outrun. Fortunately. <laughs> um, but so we, there was a bunch of questions in there. I think that we, and then a bunch of news stories. So the, um, I, I think we want to kind of, uh, the, the news stories, I think, were less surprising. I mean, I think that they were, and especially for folks who have been following Oxide, I don't think you're going to find any big reveals. Um, one thing I, I did want to, um, but I thought maybe we could go through some of the the big themes on the questions and things that we did not. So when we when we launched when we we ship, first shipped um, in July um, and end of June, July, we did a podcast where we kind of answered questions. Um, and so I would definitely refer people to that. I mean, because we answered a bunch of questions there. I don't want to go through and kind of because there were some of the, certainly some of the same questions. Totally. Um, but there are also some new ones and some important ones. One of the things that I was surprised by, and I, I would love to get everyone else's take on it, I was definitely surprised by the number of people who are like, "This is not cloud. Cloud has to be rented. Like that's part of the definition of cloud." Like, okay. Um, and somewhat, and I, I think I did see this comment before I went to bed. Maybe this is what was able to send me to bed with, with some confidence. Is someone had quoted the NIST definition for cloud, and this is you're like, oh man, I hope NIST has got the right definition here. 
I, I hope we're <laughs> you watch prep a little bit. Like, ooh, this maybe we're maybe we don't like this link or go to bed. Exactly. And the NIST definition for, actually, as with many things, NIST is really good. Actually. The, the NIST definition of cloud computing is like right on, spot on, spot on. I mean, a really good definition. You have it. Yeah, the, the Adam dropped it in the channel. Um okay. and, and it, it is just um you know, yeah, the it, cloud computing is a model for enabling this convenient on-demand network access to a shared pool of configurable computing resources that can be rapidly provisioned and released with minimal management effort or service provider interaction. That is a, so well done NIST. Well done NIST. And whatever technologist, I mean, obviously there are technologists either at NIST or friends of NIST that help write that definition. And I know you may feel that your job is thankless. We'd like to thank you here at Hoxide because I, I don't mean dude, that was I thought that was a really good definition. What do you think about that? I think it's really good. I think I, you know I'm I'm tempted to start a talk with you know NIST defines count, com, cloud computing to be. <laughs> I was going to joke about a best man speech that starts off <laughs> at, at a wedding reception. Uh, NIST defines love as yeah. No, I, 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 um, the but I think that was really good. So the uh, and. Uh, so that was great. Um, and then, so that comment, that kind of like angle of like, no, no, this is not cloud cloud has to be rented. That just got absolutely like launched into oblivion. It was really great. And then uh, there's like one of the comments in reply to this is like, yeah, sorry, you're just going to get downvoted here because like, you're just wrong. Like nobody agrees with your definition basically. So that was good. Maybe that's, I think that was the lullaby that I needed. There you go. <laughs> off to bed. Off to bed for me. This is great. Um, so so, so uh, um, reception was good. Do, do you want to get into some of, I pulled out some of the comments. Uh, do you want to get into some of those from, from Hacker News? Well, so one of the, the I do want to like just tack directly into one of the themes that I, because I, I think that something we saw a decent amount was like, hey, how much does it cost? Like the fact yeah. that like their yeah. pricing is contact sales is like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen this before. When that came up with reporters as well. Yes. Obviously, reporters want to get as much tangible information that they can go right on. And so we had that question also posed as we were doing the interview process. Yes. And one reporter in particular was like asking us about pricing. And you gave them the answer that's the honest answer, which is it depends. It depends. People do not want to hear the it depends answer. Like, oh, it depends. You're being, I see. I see. Yeah. You're being evasive. I mean, I got because you. Usually, I that means it depends on how much money you have. Like, how big is your budget? Yeah, that's that's how much the con price is. Yeah. Exactly. What's your, what's your timeline? What's your time? budget? Right. Your, yeah. No, it depends because while this is a rack scale computer, there are things that are variable. So one is the number of sleds that you have in this rack scale computer. You can buy it complete with 32 sleds. You can initially install it with fewer than 32 sleds. And we've had customers that have needed to do that for reasons like we want to get this in under a certain power footprint. And then we want to expand it as we see how much we're using. Or we have a budget limitation that is going to expire. And so we want to get it in and then be able to grow it from there. And so in that case, when someone is getting it in for you know fewer sleds than 32, the, the system itself can come in below a million dollars, which is what I, what I told them. Right. It is what you told he them. He didn't print it. He didn't print. He wasn't very interested in that. I guess he's yeah. like, no, well, because, I because. And then, I, and I said, and it, and it can be above a million dollars if you if you're configured a certain way. Because you also have a decision you can make about how much DRAM, how much memory you want per sled. 
We've got 16 DIM channels. You can have half populated or fully populated. So you can have half terabyte or terabyte of DRAM per sled. And so you've got these kind of two dials. And he, yeah, he was definitely not interested in the nuance. He's like, what is the price? Right. Right. And so that was, I, and I, I, I'm definitely getting from the chat, we will never again say contact sales. Obviously, contact sales is uh, clearly the all the antibodies come out. We'll we'll need to find some some synonym for reaching out to sales so we can give you I don't know that um yeah that that it's tough that it, is very fair it, it, it's a fair criticism so the um I I think that um it, and I think people you know you want to kind of know what the price is but it, 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 which is important um. And, you know, we obviously need to have a little, a little configurator on there so you can kind of configure it and you can then see with it the, and get an actual quote, which I think is important. Um, I think that the... Uh, well, especially because what folks want to do is they want to be able to kind of put together a comparison. They want to put together a comparison. And, totally reasonable. You know, right now you can go to Dell's website and you can configure a server that has the same components. So you would put in like 10 3.4 terabyte NVMe drives and 16 <laughs> DIM slot, like 16 DIMs of 64 gig memory. I, I like the way you are instructing the future listener to be like, did you get that 10? No, 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 not five. You need to put in 10 if you want to get the accurate price. 16, get the numbers right. They find that you can't go higher than eight, but you, uh, and then, you know, an AMD processor. And if you're doing that, and then if you're adding things like, for example, VMware, it will accurately flag you that you need not one VMware license, you need two if you're selected <laughs> or 32 CPUs. But anyway, it'll error out, and then you can kind of correct that, and it will give you your, your, your final total. And I think uh, it, it's, it's a pretty eye-opening experience because it just helps folks get a good sense of what these things cost. And we, I think it's fair to say we had a reporter who made it, who remained nameless, who made a bit of a mistake <laughs> and didn't do exactly what you prescribed hmm. and instead uh, got a, a quote for 32 CPUs. When you say like CPUs, with, you mean like a server with 32 CPUs? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> okay. No, I mean 32 CPUs, unsocketed like a, CPUs. Like, like a bag of chips. Yeah. Yes, a bag of chips. Right. I, I mean, 32 C, it's like actually, you'd be very, you might be surprised to learn that, that uh, what you just ordered could actually go into a backpack. It's <laughs> actually, it's a heavy backpack, but it's basically a backpack. Um, and the, uh, the, the number that you get is, of course, a lower number because uh, you have actually, you've, you've priced out a car against the cost of the tires. So, um, we we did correct that. We could we we uh, we encouraged the reporter to do and uh, maybe walk the reporter through the way to actually get a proper version. There are fewer and fewer people today that want to then uh, make their own PCB and do their own assembly, and <laughs> right. you know, right. buy buy, the, buy a bag of network cards and DRAM, and so yeah, it it, it uh, but. Again, we, we got it corrected, though. Got, got, got it corrected. Got to a good spot. Which is important. Um, and in fact, uh, it got that obviously in configured on um, properly. It got, got a kind of a proper price comparison. And I think that um, anyone that does a proper price comparison is going to discover like, wow, well, okay, actually, this is actually very price competitive. This is not. Um, so we, we, we do not want to be, you know, we're a very transparent company. And I, I, I think that we can certainly understand how people felt we were being evasive by contact sales, but that is not what we were trying to do at all. No, it used to be, I think that the, the original 
link was sign up for a, a spot in line and maybe we should revert to that. Yeah. 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 Or, or just the, I know or contact us or you know, yeah, there's, I don't, there's plenty we, of better ways to, to, uh, we, we got to find a way to price that anyway, the, uh, we, again, we're not trying to be evasive with the pricing. So we'll, um, but no, we'll, not at all. Because again, it's, it, there's a bunch of public information about like, what does it cost today to put the equivalent amount of CPU DRAM storage into a rack, a commercial rack out there, and then, uh, warranty it for a couple of years and then get soft pay for software to, to be able to, to, manage it and organize it. And uh, as, as we had customers tell us early on, folks that, that were running data center infrastructure, it's like, yeah, a rack full of gear with all the software licensing over three years costs us, you know, I think the, the, the last one we heard from someone was like 2.1 million bucks. Right. And so we, yeah, we, we're, we're going to get the, the numbers out there more broadly. And with this particular reporter we had just shared, like, can be just under a million, can be over a million and depends on the configuration. Yeah, and and I think what you, you can uh, the questions in the chat of like, hey, how hard would it be for you all to do a configurator? And the answer is not hard, and that's something we would go do. So no, and we, I mean, we we did we did a bunch of the the, the groundwork on that because yeah. as you can imagine when you're going through things like a fundraise, uh, investors want to understand well what is what does this look like compared to someone running a bunch of infrastructure on AWS EC2? Yeah, 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 right. And so we went through, and you know, there's a lot of things you need to do to do a fair and accurate comparison. You you start with pick an arbitrary EC2 instance or a couple of them, and then figure out how you could pack that into some subset of the capacity in the rack. Then you have to fairly do some balance of on-demand and reserve pricing. Right. And Which is a total, I mean, that is a bit of a trick, right? Because there's a big, big difference between on-demand and reserve pricing. Huge. And so, you know, this is where, you know, all kudos to AWS and their ability to execute. Yep. But the fact that that reserve pricing is so much cheaper shows you that there's real hardware behind you. Cause like Amazon needs to buy stuff to run this stuff on and they need, and they're going to give you, if you want a true completely elastic, I'm going to give you zero forward visibility to how much compute I'm going to use. And I want to use as much as I, as I possibly can. One, you're going to find that there are actually real limits and you go to permission. You're not going to be provisioning 10,000 VMs. You're going to be provisioning quite a bit less than that before you get kind of a, uh, you need to call us. Um, but you will also be absolutely paying for that. Um, and you're, you'll be paying a lot for it. So that, uh, uh, and thank you very much for those in the chat for helping us brainstorm ways to be transparent about our pricing. So, and and I, I like folks like don't forget like the cost of the power you know, to indicate the, which is true. So the, another thing that kind of came up, um, and I don't matter if you saw the, the something I definitely went back and forth on a little bit on the hackers' comments of, of, in a, in a very good way, but about um, about the fans um, and about the noise. Um, and why the noise is actually representative of, of much of much bigger things that it's actually like we weren't actually trying to design this to be um, for its acoustics. Um, that was a, an artifact of, of the way we built this thing and and took a, a clean sheet of paper. Yeah, the fans are a are representative of what I think are uh, some a part of the value proposition that we don't talk enough about. That we do talk about the fans. And I know you love your eighty million millimeter fans. But the impact to power consumption is pretty wild. I mean, really significant. It, it is. Um, and the, and right now, and I think the, 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 the fans, okay, look, I know people in the chat are being like, oh my, oh my not God. Back, the not fan, again the fans, right. Oh God, will the senator from 80 millimeter fans please yield? Um, so uh, 
you know, the fans we've not been talking enough about are the fans on the AC power supplies on the one use and two use. <laughs> I feel like the, those fans I have not. We, we, we have I'm back in 10 minutes if you want to skip the <laughs> power supplies. Okay, we're done. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that. That's the end of that. No, the, these Because you have these little teensy tiny fans in the AC power supplies. And those things are also screaming. Uh, and this is where you get to. And actually, we did not factor that into our calculus. For I mean, we just kind of knew we were going to use a DC bus bar, but we did the, the calculus anyway. But I think that the the power consumption for the fans in the power supply is something you've got zero visibility into. I don't know of a single power supply that like an AC power supply that you're going to put in a commodity server that's going to give you that visibility. All right, everybody, that was a fast ten minutes. But so so how significant two percent comparison? That's good. So so how, how big? I mean, how how much is the do these fans draw? Like, what's the power difference? Uh, it's on the order of 20 to 30% of the rack is wow. the, I mean, so we are, and I, so we say 2%, it's actually not 2%. We say under 2%. 2%, yeah, of our is, rack. 2% is super conservative. It is like pretty far under 2%. And here we go again, but it is, <laughs> but, but, but it, I mean, so these one U fans can take up the, com- the combined fans, 20% of the power of the rack times yep. n number of racks this ends up being a huge 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 inefficiency and getting that from 20 plus percent to under two percent just means way more density that's right i think so, it, so, folks, this, so see this is an important point you're making because it's like people are like well i don't care about my power bill that much it's like that may be true but you actually do care about the density. you actually do care about the amount of compute you can put in per unit per per square foot per tile um, in your DC, and that's what this goes to. This goes to density. This all goes back into compute, and you want it to be used for compute and networking and DRAM. Um, another uh, another question that came up, uh, and oh, I should say, um, we are going to be doing a kind of a series because someone was asking about um, you guys need to do a, a a blog post on the the fan power. I can't tell if that's like a so I don't have to read it as opposed to like <laughs> listen to it. Um, I can't like. This is kind of like when I tell like I tell my mom that she should write a letter to the municipal authority that she's so upset about. Um, it's like um, so I'm not. I'm, I'm I, not sure I I'm being pulled to write a letter. Like an, an oxide only fans that just post pictures of the fans would do pretty well. I'm just saying. <laughs> still. Oh. Oh wow. man! While we're that talking is... about social networks, quote unquote. <laughs> wow, Pandora's box has been opened. I that is so dangerous. I th- you know uh, yeah exactly. Some ideas I should not have heard. Um, yeah, that's uh, Steve. I love. Have you have you you've been sitting on that for how long? Yeah, you've been sitting on that one. I feel like I that feel. joke has been made several times. But oh, I, I don't know. think so. Maybe, I, I mean, not it. in this call anyway. But like, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway. Uh, um so um yeah that well okay but i'm just kind of blown but, yeah i need to need to recover from the only fans um <laughs> the uh, w- but we're gonna have a uh, a series of blog posts and we actually want to do episodes of oxide and friends where we go into some of the stuff in detail um we'll, we'll save the fans for just the blog post but we want to talk about a, a bunch of different uh elements of the rack um and go into detail there so so where i mean we obviously got an idea of the detail that we want to hit but if people want to see particular details we'd love to hear from you make sure to get an episode teed up um and make sure to to get a discussion on it so um and and a blog post um so adam what were some of the other big themes that you yeah some of the some of the other themes uh tacking into value proposition uh, I think that there were a bunch of commenters of the form, hey, can't I just get all this stuff from Supermicro and load it up with OpenStack 
and do it all myself. <laughs> and then a bunch of other folks saying, let me know how that's working out for you. Uh, and uh, how do you get all this thing working together? And you've got six different vendors in the mix. And when there's a problem, how does that work out? And even further than let me know how that works out for you. But you had folks that were going in and saying, uh, let me tell you my story. And then telling their own stories about unboxing and assembling and integrating and troubleshooting. And back to the comment of this, this person that was at the, uh, the VC event, it's like, you've done all this and then you find that you have the wrong rail. One wrong set of rails right. sets you back another five weeks. Right. And so, even once you get to that point of integrating all the five vendors together, uh, then Adam, to your point, folks commenting in there like, well, then what are you going to do when you have a problem? Who are, who are you calling? And which, which, which of the vendors are you finally pinning down that are pointing at the other one? And I think it was, it was great to, for us not having to chime in and others chiming in. Others chime again. And I, experiences. I, I did like, there was, there was someone uh, in the Hacker News comments who, uh, speaking about Dell in particular, um, said that, and Ryan is quoting this, that Dell is a single vendor that will diagnose and fix all of your hardware issues. Just like full sentence, no further qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, which I, I mean, this is a, a troll in the in the oldest sense. You could practically hear the guffaws and the replies to that. <laughs> well, I love the fact that Steve Klepnik, you said that you were with a, a a friend of yours or an acquaintance of yours who has deployed like large amounts of Dell at like a social event, and you're like reading him hacker news comments just to get him like guffawing. Yeah, yeah. I, I like one of my one of my neighbors uh works for the city and they have a pretty large deployment of like VX Rail apparently, uh in whatever his department is. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, dealing with that support is absolutely terrible. Right. It is uh it's not great. And so and you get these fingers pointed at one another. And I think that, you know, with OpenStack, it's um OpenStack's not a product, which is part of its problem. Um and you know, back in the day, um, as kind of more and more companies were throwing their lot in with OpenStack, one of the questions that you get is like, well, how are you going to go compete with all these hundreds of companies now that are working on OpenStack? And it's like, are you like, can you hear yourself? I mean, the last time that that hundreds of companies cooperated on something <laughs> and had a successful result is like World War II. I just don't think, I mean, like, <laughs> you, you can't have one company do something without getting in its own way, let alone like, oh, no, don't worry. We have many different organizations that are, it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciated how much folks got the value proposition of one entity responsible for this whole thing from networking and CPU and virtualization and all this stuff. Because I also think that that's a huge part of why we built it the way we built it. You know, why we are running the operating system we're running, why we're building our own service processor, our own embedded OS. Um, it, all, it all comes from that desire to support this whole thing, this whole, uh, you know, box full of lots of heterogeneous components that we are integrating. That's right, Adam. And I think that, you know, in every one of those decisions was happening not because we were like electing to do something on our own or go our own way, but because we had had specific concrete experience where the inability to kind of control both sides of this led to a suboptimal, to put it mildly, experience. Well, and I think it, it, the thing that was great to hear come through in some of those responses in Hacker News was, you know, a vendor that is saying, uh, you know, hey, this vendor will support fill in the blank their product 
And folks being like, yeah, well, you know, if I could have diagnosed that it lived in their product already, wouldn't that have been nice? Yeah. <laughs> and instead being in a position where, you know, someone was saying like, you know, I, whatever issue I have sitting above this entire stack, I can throw an oxide. And that's true. It's true. It, it could be an issue in your database. It could be an issue. Yes. Wherever it starts from, we're going to go run that to ground. Adam, to your point, because we can, because we control the whole stack and because we've been on the other side of the table in that helpless position where people are kind of bouncing you all over the place, we will. Like we're going to take ownership of every one of those issues. And uh, it's, it's not as sexy as a speed or a feed, but it's folks that have actually run infrastructure on-prem Hearing them come through and telling those stories, uh, it means as much as any product feature you can have. And it's really, really important to us. Um, I think it, it does kind of uh, hit on two other themes that kind of came up in the Hacker News comments. Uh, one of which, and this already also came up in the chat. Um, so it's like, did you all forget to make the Helios repo public? Uh, and the answer to that is basically yes. Um, and, and so, what is Helios? Sorry about that. What's that? And do you want to describe what Helios is? Yeah, Helios is, so it's our Illumos derivative. Um, the Illumos derivative itself is actually all public. That's in the St. Louis branch of our Illumos fork. So that is actually, the, the meat there is all actually public. Um, but, and as I kind of was replying to that on Hacker News comment, someone else was like, how was I supposed to find that? I'm like, yeah, that's not on you. You were not supposed to find that. That was like, it's, uh, so sorry about that. Um, but the, uh, the we'll be rectifying that, which needs to be, there's, there's a small amount of cleanup that needs to be done. Like we do need to add a license in there um, before we, but the actual Helios repo really just contains the things that kind of point to these other repos. It's not actually, it, um, it and kind of pulls it together and builds it. Um, but the, it is very important for us. Uh, and, you know, a big differentiator for us is the fact that it's all open. So from, from top to bottom, um, we really um, have wanted from the beginning to get it all out there. And, you know, one of the things that actually, you know, something that people didn't ask us about um, that I think maybe a question we kind of, what's that, Steve? Oh, nope. Sorry. You're in the middle of the thing. I'm going to try and interrupt you. St. Louis is actually also not public. So saying that it's on a, a branch on St. Louis means that you could find it. Like that's also not open. Actually. Oh, no, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. We, I, so we we'll, we'll, we'll rectify that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, the, um, one of the questions that, that we would ask our, ask of ourselves is like, Hey, what have you learned from your first couple of customers? Like what has been the, the experience been and how have things um, you know, you've got some kind of some, some theories as you are getting this product in the market and how did those theories work out? Um, and I would say that we, we've, we've got a lot of proof points of like, yeah, we've got, um, you know, I, we were having uh, one tricky problem with a customer just with the, um, the necessary kind of cert generation that was not actually like it, it, it was at, I mean, if you want to get super technical about it, it, wasn't necessarily an oxide problem, but like was definitely a problem. Like getting, like we needed to pull this together. Yeah, to get it up and running. And you know, the 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 line that we heard was like, you know, with with VMware, I feel like I would be kind of like on my own right now. Even though it's like, no, no, we're not going to be. It's it's really important. Well, not just on my own. It was like while you all were troubleshooting this, which to be clear, this is because we uh, we integrate into someone's identity and off provider. So we. Don't try to replace that. We we leverage like the SAML provider that they uh, or the fee that they use for identity and, and auth, and so they have to give us certificates. And in the in the process of getting that up, we had them on our troubleshooting call. And they're like, it's so refreshing that I was allowed to just sit back and kind of listen to how you're working through this problem. With VMware, I would have been like handed an SDK and they would have disappeared, or I would have been you know sent to a 
you know, online support system. And it just, you know, weeks later, maybe I emerged from something and it was, it was good to hear. And, and having the ability for folks to, for that, that is open source, which we are quickly resolving to get all of it out there. Uh, another comment was uh, they, we were talking with this customer about, they had some priority work that they wanted us focused on. And then there was in another issue that was low priority and we just were updating them like, Hey, by the way, uh, you know, we're still working on this other thing too. And they're like, Oh, I know I'm watching the bugs. <laughs> on, on, I'm, wa- I'm watching the issue right now. Yeah, exactly. So you bumped that yesterday and, and then said like, it's such, it's so nice that I can kind of self-service in that manner and see what you, what you guys are doing uh, because everything's open source. So that's been, I think, really validating. And I think we've also had folks that have uh, been like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I pulled over a clone of this thing and I, I found you know, an issue in this. Or I helped. So that's been, um, it's been, I think, really vindicating and, and, and validating. On that One part. of my favorites was our customer was trying to run our CLI. Uh, we've downloaded a binary on some different version of Linux than the oh, yeah. CLI had been built on. And so they just cloned the repo and rebuilt it and they had it, which is not obviously the best user experience, but the fact that everything is out there means they are empowered to do those things, which is great. Yeah. And I think all of this is to like, is it, it's our empathy with folks that are running this thing. It's like, we, you know, we, we want to treat you the way we want to be treated. So, um, that's been so far, uh, and then we, we, we made a bunch of specific technical improvements too that have been really exciting and to really improve that install time and really getting to the the point where, I mean, I think we're awfully close to this vision of being able to get this rack, rack in, powered on, and provisioning VMs within hours. You know, we're not that well, far we were, off. We were disappointed, and we would share the disappointment with the customers like, ah, this, you know, two and a half days. Right. They're like, this is exponentially faster than any other installation and standup we would do. And then of course we're like, yeah, I know we're trying to get it to one day. We wanted to get to a couple hours. hours. Exactly. And the, and part of the blocker there is like, there is obviously a a super uh, important and complicated, frankly, interface in with the customer's network. Um, And so there's a lot that can go wrong there. So um, the, um, uh, w- one of the questions that was asked um, just in the in the chat here, uh, if you had to build and ship the product again from scratch, what would you do differently? Um, good question. It's a really good question. And it's really hard to, I, I mean, I I don't know. I, um, I feel that we book our chamber time a little earlier for compliance. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Hire our yeah. EEs a little earlier. I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any ar- anything glaring architecturally that we regret. Or that we could have done differently based on what we knew. It, it, there is some super small stuff, but a lot of that stuff too, we actually got right on on later iterations. And it would have been kind of, I guess, nicer to be able to, but I don't, I don't think it's really fair when you're going back and kind of thinking about that. I don't think you're allowed to like think omniscience. Uh, right. like, like I, we, we would have, I mean, I mean, like we would have not gone we down the path of using third party stuff because we did a lot of investigation. And I mean, if we, again, if we give the on impression, we can go back and, and know that this is the wrong path that we have to do this thing. But you've got you know, you to go down those paths. I mean, I remember yeah, the, 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 you know, and that was a really tough time when you um, would, you know, I remember like 2020 and it's the pandemic and everything else. And we're having like these kind of endless calls with prospective partners. And then like you would have a call that was a disaster. It was like, we definitely don't want to do work with this person ever, this company. 
And I remember Arian kind of, because we would do these calls after, you remember those calls we would do these like debrief calls that you talk about therapy where you'd be on one of these calls. It's like, Oh my God, that was like, I, I, we had like, okay. Go to meeting is terrible. This is, I, and I would like to say we had someone who had misconfigured go to meeting to be even worse. <laughs> I love and, your hot takes. LinkedIn. Great. Go to meeting. Terrible. That's right. That's right. Yes, exactly. I feel like these are, these are my hot takes circa 2005. <laughs> um, right. So, the, but this is, I, I, don't, I don't know if you were on this meeting, but you would go to, the only way to unmute yourself was to use the keypad. And so you have to like star eight to unmute yourself. And then it would be like, you are unmuted. It's like, well, I'm also like, okay, but like the person I was going to interrupt or whatever, that's like, now the time has now passed. So uh, it was, um, but I, I remember that like you'd get off these calls and like, oh my God, what a waste of time that was. And Arian was, I, I just remember him vividly saying, you know what? That was important. We had to do that because we had to, like, you could not have said that, like, the, these folks actually do make products that are kind of viable for us. And we didn't know they were turkeys until we got them on the phone. So it's like, we actually had to do that. We can cross them off the list. We never need to talk to them again, but we had to spend that three hours or two hours, whatever it was. Yeah, the other one like you could say is, like, you know, knowing that we absolutely could not build this off a of reference design from a PCB perspective. I was going to say the other thing I would like, yeah. That's another one where it's like living that pain. Of right. that of that early right. start and then having to go kind of start from scratch again, not off a reference design, was super informative on the design we did. So, you know, it, it's another one where it's like I I think that this is actually a really important point you're making, Steve, in that the and I'm sorry to say actually there. The, yeah. the uh, I, I, yeah, I don't mean to sound surprised, but the, the, just that when you spend time going down what turns out to be the wrong path, and then you get on the right path it's hard to lament the time spent on the wrong path because that time gave you conviction about being on the right path. And there are so many of these things where it's like, yeah, we do not actually have a second. I mean, we do not wonder like, boy, should we have used open Titan? Boy, I wonder. It's like, nope, we definitely <laughs> yep. do no, no, that we should not have done that. And we, but because we went down that path for long enough to know that that was not going to be viable. Hey, but didn't they just tape that thing out? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's right. We could almost be shipping. That this is uh, the hardware root of trust that we considered very, very seriously, but we're worried that it might not ship in time. And boy, was that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, what a question in the chat like, would you still do hardware virtualization? Um, if you're doing it over again, absolutely, positively, no question. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, I mean, the hardware virtualization, you have to be just in a multi tenant cloud. Uh, and obviously, I, I think, and there was like some people, I think, feel crestfallen. Because, like, look, I've got some talks from back in the day talking about container-based virtualization and lamenting this kind of the fact that we are virtualizing twice in the stack. I still believe that. I still believe all that. But I also, uh, th that hardware virtualized interface has been made, first of all, it's been made so fast by the microprocessors. And that's the interface that we've all settled on um, for cloud computing. And it's... Um, the I was just because I think the part of what you said too is really important though, which is like multi-tenant, which you may be like, wait, this isn't a public cloud, this is a private cloud. But like with our abilities to scope like silos between different parts of your organization, like you actually do need to treat your internal stuff as though it is multi-tenant because like it is, even if your organization does own an, it's like only things that are run by your company, but that doesn't mean your company is not like 12 companies of trench coat, right? So like <laughs> right. it is important to treat it that way, even if like you may not otherwise think so. That's it. And I think that that on hardware vert in particular, the reason that that is required is because it does allow for it's it's this very well understood interface 
where you are allowing for a lot of flexibility in the side of that interface. So it's not just uh, the it's not just Linux. It's so you can run Windows. So you can run your own variant of Linux. We've got like lots of variants of Linux out there. I'm definitely learning way more about old distros of of, of Linux than I than I thought I would. So um, it, it's hard revert is important. So um, the uh, and in terms of the overhead, um, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I think that the overhead they're still. Um, there are still challenges, certainly in, in terms of things like we do not overprovision DRAM, we don't overprovision CPU. But um, the uh, yeah, block storage performance. Happy to do that. People are asking about block storage performance. We can definitely uh, and we're, we in general we need to talk a lot more about what we've done from a storage perspective because that's um, that feels like one of the follow up deep dives. Follow up deep dives for sure. We spend a lot of time on it. It's super important, um, and so we've got um, a lot that we want to. Um, yeah, of the ones that folks are interested in, one we already talked about. I'm not going to drag us back to fans, but just energy efficiency generally. Right. That is one that has a, a, a it, it requires its own kind of deep dive. And then I think there is a networking one. Folks are pretty interested in both the hardware and the software side of networking and yep. what it means to control it end to end and, and uh, storage. Storage is right up there. Uh, and then another one that, that came up a bunch in the Hacker News comments um, and just in general um, is, a, you know, hey, what about a GPU? Uh, and we talked about this a bunch last time, too. Um, the, uh, the, and we know there's a lot of energy around GPGPUs for sure right now. Um, at, the, uh, at the moment, I would say that we don't believe, and if, by the way, I know we've got some folks at, at video that follow the company. It is our belief that we cannot build oxide value on NVIDIA. Um, as it presently stands. As it yeah. presently stands. We would love to be wrong. We would love totally. that it would be great for NVIDIA to say, like, no, no, no. We would love to do something where and and by oxide value, I mean real transparency and the ability to kind of to to support arbitrary customer problems, to get visibility into power consumption into firmware, into security. So we have attestation from the lowest level, you know, first initial instructions all the way up through firmware and, and operating system, et cetera. Yep. And it, we've, we've got to be consistent on that value because it is security. It's another good one that we need to go deep on because um, there's so many different elements of, of the system where that pulls through, but it, it would be wonderful. It'd be wonderful if there was an opportunity to, 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 build in the same way with the same openness but today that's not possible that, that's right so um I, I think that we are looking to the future in a couple different ways we talked about um that we're we're very bullish on what amd is doing um but we also know that like and you know we've talked to plenty of folks and maybe you in the chat as well uh, you listener uh may be of this same uh belief of like look it's interesting but there's a software gap right now between the software the um you know, and I, I think that that's very real. So, um, and then I think the other thing we're very curious about is like there are other things we can go do. AMD and NVIDIA are not the only two companies on the planet, and there are a bunch of interesting companies that that can do silicon that we can do in some interesting ways um, that are uh, that we would be able to partner with and be able to get real oxide value and kind of an, an open source stack. So, um, on that one, um, I, I can't say contact sales on that, um, but I guess contact engineering. What do we do on that? It's like the Contact us. Exactly. Contact us. Um, oh, another question was, do you have any regrets about the LPC-35 S69, given that the number of vulnerabilities that Laura has found? <laughs> um, <laughs> Better than the ones you haven't found. And, and this is the chip that we use for our hardware root of trust. 
Hardware Reader Trust. Um, and I mean, regrets is a really strong word. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that we, I think secure silicon is really, really, really hard. And uh, we, um, I, I do think that we have spent a lot of time with this part and I think we know it well. And we have been able to build a secure infrastructure on top of it. Um, but it has, um, you know, it, it is a, probably a dimension of the product that we are interested to know what else is out there and we're constantly keeping it near the rail. Um, I'm not mad, but, I'm just disappointed. Not mad, I'm just disappointed, <laughs> I am. And, and it's, it is also, it's just, it, 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 it's very challenging technically and there is so much temptation in the industry to have this retreat to security through obscurity. And we, I just cannot emphasize this sharply enough. We need a completely open stacks for the secure silicon. And so the, the, the fact that the bootloader is not open is a real problem. And I mean, Laura would be the first to tell you that like, actually, if it had been open source, I might not have found this vulnerability. Um, because I went to look for this vulnerability because I popped up Ghidra on this thing because I didn't have the source code. Um, so uh, this is the, I, and that was the the second vulnerability she found, not the first. Um, so um, the, it, it's, I would like to see a lot more transparency from our vendors there um, and a lot more openness. Um, so no regrets, but yeah, as you say, Steve, I'm just disappointed. I'm not mad. Um, the, uh, someone's asking about potential Cerebrus Oxide collaboration. Definitely. That would be, uh, tantalizing Cerebrus. We are, it's a sibling, sibling company, wafer level silicon, really interesting company. Um, and definitely, uh, tantalizing there. Um, I, I would say no concrete plans, but, um, that's something that, um, folks are interested in. Well, I think, I mean, broadly, and it comes back to a question that of course came up in some of the hacker news discussions and certainly with reporters, which is like, Oh, what are you doing about AI? Cause no piece can get written today without talking about AI. Right. And the, I mean, our perspective <laughs> continuing to form is that first of all, there's this massive general purpose computing market that is in dire need of a solution, a better solution that brings yes. the benefits of cloud computing on premises. And that still represents the vast majority of infrastructure that is being deployed and run everywhere yeah. outside of the public cloud. And so start there first. And we had customers continually say like, please, 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 please go solve that first. Right. And actually wait until this like AI wave crests and, and then, you know, deliver follow on products that will help support that. And, you know, I think one of the things that we anticipate is that this rush to smash a bunch of GPUs into systems right now to serve these like short term needs are going to evolve into some real, real inefficiency problems around power and cooling and just data center density, where you're going to have these, you know, quarter filled racks and eighth filled racks. And um, so I think as we are thinking about it, it is from a rack level. Yeah. It, right, yes. Thinking about the right balance of hardware acceleration and, uh, and general and just compute and then the power and the thermals and, so we, and, you know, same for a question of like, you know, partnering with any of these other companies. It's like, when you start thinking at the rack level, there are some pretty interesting opportunities. There are, and there's some interesting opportunities, but there are also some interesting constraints on working together. And that's what, and we, I mean, honestly, the way we see it right now is the battle lines are kind of being drawn because NVIDIA at the same time, and again, we'd love to be proven wrong on this, but NVIDIA is also like, actually, I'm eyeing that general purpose CPU. And I'm thinking, why don't I just take the whole thing? And instead of sitting out here on a, as, as, a, as a peripheral, like maybe I'm just the computer. 
And um, so I, I think, you know, the old like I, I'm the captain now meme with with the GP, GPU. And I think that that's um, that's a proprietary world that we're, um, we're we're not so into. I mean, I, I totally admire NVIDIA's execution and wish they were a much more transparent company. Uh, make it much easier to to, to interoperate. And in, in, in the meantime, I think we really will will want to take a different tack and one that is very much, um, uh, Steve, as you're saying, taking that that rack level approach. I did love, and Adam had quoted the Adam. You quoted the the, the kind of the comments in the chat where someone's like, "I really like the fact they didn't mention AI." <laughs> someone else like, "Yeah, that's because they don't have a GPU. They don't want to mention AI. We're <laughs> hoping you don't mention AI, pal." Um, which is not wrong. Um, not, we, not wrong, but again, like there is more computing happening in the universe than just AI, although it is consuming is, absolutely. most of the power. Absolutely. And we think that obviously this stuff is super important. And, but it's also, I mean, I think it's important to get this stuff on package that we, that, you know, right now it should not be a peripheral. It should be, you, you should have a, a chiplet that is an accelerated chiplet and that should live side by side with a chiplet that is a, a general purpose chiplet. And that is, you know, the company, and I know that a couple folks see that, NVIDIA also sees that as the right model. Um, but, um, you know, that that's kind of what we see. Uh, another question in the chat about, um, and yeah, Wes, exactly, the MI300. Um, what about ARM and RISC-V? Um, so RISC-V, um, you know, I love Honor RISC-V. <laughs> um, and I, there's a lot that's uh, great about RISC-V. Um, RISC-V really needs to figure out who it wants to kind of go after. And are you, because th there's a degree to which they kind of make whatever argument is convenient. And it's like, if you're going to go after Cortex-M, you really need to go after Cortex-M and you really need to provide the debugging support and complete open, complete transparency, please. Um, the kind of the, these uh, proprietary firmware in RISC-V is a real problem. So I want RISC-V to not kind of repeat some of the mistakes that we've seen. Uh, RISC-V, we do not need UEFI. Please don't even contemplate it. Um, in terms of ARM, also interesting, uh, but same kind of comment for Ampere. It's like Ampere's slides look a lot less interesting when you compare them to AMD than you do when you compare them to Intel. So um, x86 is not just Intel. It's Intel and it's AMD, and obviously we're, we're, we're very long. AMD and some saying, are you talking about wait, risk five or sci five? And that's part of the problem is that uh, that sci five is sci five has got a lot of proprietary elements. It's been really problematic, um, and risk five has kind of allowed for some of those proprietary elements. So risk five is interesting. Um, I, th I believe it is Laura's uh, Adam. What was Laura's prediction about when we're going to get a, a data center caliber Ooh, risk five part? I think, I think we're, we're like coming two up years that. away now. Yeah, we're getting yeah, close. That's exciting. Yeah, but and I think uh, the real thing is like we're going to listen to customers on that. Like, and right. there are lots and lots and lots of ways where oxide is weird, too weird. Like, we want to be normal in some small number of ways, and choosing the x six sixty four ISA is one of those small ways. You sound like Pinocchio who wants to be a real boy. I just want to be normal. Oxide <laughs> wants right. to be normal. Like, I we we actually don't want to be a puppet. We want to be just a boy, just a boy, just That's a right. little boy. So um, the, the the launch press was great. I'm sure you must have loved reading all of it. I mean, it seemed like broadly very positive um, and a great milestone. But uh, Steve and Brian, as you, as you kind of think towards the future, <laughs> are there milestones that you're looking forward to? And I know that this one was kind of both a starting line more than a finish line. But yeah. are, are, as you look over the horizon, are there, are there points that you're excited about getting to in the future? 
I think the the it isn't a particular date per se, but the thing that I'm excited about is just in these first deployments, we've been able to validate some of the promise for what it's like to take delivery and stand it up and get users going and being able to hear from customers that this has been a real step function change in terms of how quickly they can go from something arriving to having developers productive has been great. The next thing I'm very much looking forward to is some of the other promised benefits that customers want to go validate. And that is, uh, you know, once I have moved off of the traditional rack and stack approach onto Oxide, was it really the case that I could collapse, you know, two racks down to one? Right. And uh, is it the case that you know, now, you know, product teams across these different divisions are much more productive or just happier, or we can recruit and retain folks more? Just some of those uh, longer-term benefits that um, that I think these customers were excited to to be part of. Why Oxide? Um, having those come to fruition, and then hearing them tell that story, I think that getting on the other side of that is uh, is something that I'm I'm looking for. Yeah, and I think that also kind of in the same vein, we've got such a great foundation, but it is a foundation, and we've got a lot of stuff now that we can go uniquely do. I mean, I know one of the things that I'm super stoked about is the ability to get like unprecedented network visibility hmm. and there's so much stuff we can go build in terms of 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 network observability because we control both sides of this and that can deliver just really eye-popping value and that's going to be i think really and there's just i feel like at every part of the stack there is now something we can go do um that it was not really possible before so i think that we are able to do things that really, really demonstrate the kind of the the integrated uh, nature of this system, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be really exciting. And I think that you know it's going to be the journey is also going to be long on all this stuff. Um, we did have <laughs> there was uh, at some point um, there was a suggestion um, maybe from someone not at Oxide that but like well you need like an our incredible journey blog post. And it's like, okay, maybe I'm too online, but uh, I, I no, our incredible journey. <laughs> that's a eulogy. That's sorry. <laughs> that's uh, there's like an our incredible journey Tumblr that is a collection of companies announcing that they're going out of business. Our journey is not an incredible journey. It is a uh, our, our magnificent trek. It's, I don't it's know. A, like, incredibly like, like, credible, very credible journey. Very credible journey. Our entirely credible journey. Um, yeah. It, it, it you know it's it's kind of funny because I, I know I'm the same thing where, where, you know when you see that you've got these things that are in that kind of the, the the distant horizon and it takes so long to work there that sometimes you can forget like how that you can like you don't feel necessarily the rush at the end and you need to like because you're kind of looking to the next horizon now and you do need to take a moment and be like okay this is like we've actually this is pretty great. And now let's get uh, what get excited about the about the next horizon. But I remember, I mean, Steve, I mean, how long ago was it? Me sitting in your office at Joint, just really thinking, like, man, what's it going to feel like when we close that first customer, get that first PO? Uh, lifetime ago and not long ago. A lifetime ago, not long ago. And you think that, like, now that like that milestone now, which felt like it was so indefinitely in the future pretty far in the rear view mirror at this point that first po and that's that that's uh that's pretty great so um pretty exciting um but a lot to go build um and a, a lot to go build a lot to go do um for sure 
So Adam, is that, uh, this is great. Uh, great. I mean, it, last week was, was so wild and, uh, great to kind of put a bookend on it, but then, you know, lots of work to do and look into the future, but you know, we're taking the time to, uh, to really savor this one because it's been a long journey and we got a lot ahead, but, um, but this is great. And it's great to see people responding to it and excited about what we've built. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on, Adam, because I agree with you. I think that one thing, it, it was it was really surprising that this is now like whatever it is, the 231st most popular story in the history of Hacker News in the 34 million articles in Hacker News. Uh, and the, uh, you know, you think that, that this is, um, the things that are ahead of us are all involved death or scandal. Um, and like that's... <laughs> You mean in terms of stories, not the future of the company? Yes, agreed. Okay, sorry, no, no, you're not getting where I'm laying down. So we need. I, 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 I sorry, we we need a scandal involving death. I, come on, don't be thick. Like, we, yeah. we, like we, 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 we can best it. We, we, we can we can uh, best two thirty one. Um, but the uh, I, I think that that's amazing that there's that kind of enthusiasm because you don't generate that enthusiasm. Like that, that enthusiasm is like that, that, that comes from a deeper spot. Um, and we feel just really lucky, lucky that, that, that folks find inspiration in what we're doing, but we're honestly, it, it, we're the ones that are, um, really excited by, by the amount of enthusiasm that's out there. So all of you, you know, the folks that are, you know, I, I know it's not a home lab variant of oxide, but we really, um, really appreciate all of your support, um, and enthusiasm for the company and what we're doing. And, um, we're excited to be a model for other folks who are willing to take on big, hard problems. Awesome stuff. All right. On that note, thank you very much, everyone. Um, really appreciate it. We're going to have, again, a, we'll do a couple more of these for sure. I know there's some questions in the chat that we didn't answer. I'll, I'll kind of hang out a bit um, in the chat and answer them. Um, but uh, thank you very much. And Adam, thank you. Steve, thank you for um, <laughs> for, the, for combat duty. Yeah. in the hacker news comments uh it was it was definitely uh it was it was a wild one um so it is but i do echo what you said about being really appreciative like as much as it's fun to complain about the bad comments just the fact that there's so many people that are so enthusiastic about what we're doing is just like very it's very nice i appreciate it quite a bit it, it really is and you know when we when we first raised we said we we're gonna have the internet rooting for us and uh that's been great um it, it really 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 appreciate it so, all right. So, Steve, on to the on to the next. On to the next. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, thanks again for for all the the, the terrific vibes. Um, and uh, we promise to never ask you to contact sales. Also, please contact sales.